palms against the ravines and overhangs and gullies that mapped out his face and said she cherished his new geography. That was the word she'd used. Cherished. The hills and furrows of his body were as close to traveling as she was likely to get, she said, and as far as she had a care to go. Come home soon, she'd said the last time he'd run off. The burned man had never been one for staying put. Even before the war, he'd been riding trains, putting out his thumb on highways, working whatever crew would take him this way and that. After the war, it got worse. The ghosts more shrill, the demons unrelenting. But maybe it was finally time to float down and let the world reclaim him. If he didn't grab hold of this woman— he would drift away in a delirium of grief and rage until he ended up back under the Seventh Street Bridge. Then, standing on top of it, waiting for that roar to take him down. So the morning after she called, in a pre-dawn blue flecked with stars, he caught out. He went north in a boxcar to the cold fog of Olympia and the long, rolling call of the ocean took a gondola carrying steel pipe across the pine-choked wilds of Montana, and finally into Wyoming, where he jumped aboard a coal train clattering south toward Denver and the warmth of his woman. He spent the Wyoming days crouched between the hoppers so that the wind was in his teeth and his eyes burned with cinders, then rough-shodding over miles of ballast, looking for unwatched locomotives in which to pass the nights. The wide land brought him some peace, hinted that maybe God was around after all, buried deep in the details and ready to let him be. Maybe God no longer kept a ledger against him of dead friends and dead Iraqis, no longer wanted to punish him with a face that opened a door to the dead every time he looked in the mirror. Smack between Shawnee Junction and Wolf, sitting solo in a snowy hobo camp, he ran into some trouble. He usually did. Some skinhead tramp taking exception to his face. But he managed okay. A few bruises, one long scrape. Pain, as his sergeant had said, was weakness leaving the body. He'd given the other guy a fair dose of it. In Cheyenne, he got a tattoo on his upper arm on a piece of flesh as smooth as a baby's skin. He'd been drinking with a repair crew on the North Line, and when he talked about his face and the constant hassle, an old German told him if he had a tattoo of a double lightning bolt, no one would mess with him. Face like that, you don't need to do a damn thing, the German said as they sat on a dead tree trunk pulled up next to the campfire. They give you any grief, you let them see the tat. It'll send them off, tail tucked. Don't this mean I killed someone? You did, right? In the war? The burned man looked away, out into a darkness shot through with trailing embers. Yeah. So, there you be. What if I run into a real banger? The German spit a long stream of tobacco into the fire. You're white. You're a vet. You look like the devil threw you onto his personal bonfire. You'll be good. That night, the burned man dreamed that roots grew from his feet, going deep into the earth, and his hands reached toward the sky like saplings. It was him, 
growing up and growing old alongside his woman. By the time he got to Denver, his heart was swept clean. He washed up and changed into his uniform in a gas station bathroom, walked to 38th Avenue, then stuck out his thumb and caught a ride north on Picos with a guy on a milk run. In exchange for the lift, the burned man helped deliver the bottles, leaving the milk on narrow stoops, while on the other side of walls, radios clicked on with morning shows and dogs scratched at doors. In the driveways, SUVs and minivans lumbered out of the dark, perspiring frost. A man drove a rumbling pickup down the street, a boy tossing newspapers from the bed. The burned man looked at all this and thought maybe he could have it, too. The milkman dropped him off at 47th. Here the city smelled of old things, like nature gone quiet.